It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is February 28th, 2019. My name is Philip Rostenreich. I'm the expert and site editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. Happy with you here on a Thursday. The Orlando Magic taking on the Golden State Warriors, but a little bit of a, a, a monument to pass by here. The Orlando Magic are at the three-quarter point of the season. We'll talk about that a little bit more in the coming days as we enter the fourth quarter of the season. But with that, with Orlando City starting, I thought we'd bring in our good friend Austin David of Orlando Soccer Journal, the Orlando Soccer Show, and Community Sports Report on 91.5 FM Thursdays at 4 p.m. Austin, welcome back. It's It's been a while. We had you on last year. Ready to, ready to get get going and probably the most exciting time in, in the Orlando sports calendar. Yeah, it's everything's kind of coming together at this point in the season. It, it has indeed been exactly almost a year since uh, I was on your show. So glad to be back. Glad to be talking magic and uh, Orlando City preparing for the season. Yeah, and, and Orlando City had a, had a season so similar to the Orlando Magic last year, almost to a T. It was, it was, it was bizarre and frustrating at the same time. Uh, we'll talk about that and, and what's what's in store for, for the Lions coming up this season uh, in a moment, uh, in a little bit. But, you know, you're at Magic Games, too. You follow, you follow your basketball fan. You, you've bas- you do some basketball writing as well or basketball commentary as well. Uh, let's, let's talk a little bit about the Orlando Magic and the season they're having this year. You know, we're at this point. The Magic are a game out of the final spot in the playoffs. They are just coming off a loss to the New York Knicks, uh, which we can talk about or not. We can ignore it. Um, mm. But... What's been the what's what's been the overall takeaway for for you from this season with the Orlando Magic? It, it it just feels like a weird weird year so far. It has been a really weird year, and it feels like kind of a year in transition almost in in one way or another. Because you bring in Steve Clifford, new coach, new mentality. Uh, you bring in a, a lot of new pieces around him. Uh, you know, Hammond and Weltman have kind of moved a lot of pieces around to try and get a winning formula together. Uh, not only on the court, but off the court. They've made a, little, a few personnel changes uh, to go with that. And it just feels like a transition year. But having said that, they're still winning games. It's a really weird team where they're winning games they're not supposed to and losing games that they're supposed to win. You know, just like the the Knicks game last night. Uh, you know, the Knicks are, are trying to lose. And yet they still end up blowing a, what, 14-point lead at the beginning of the fourth quarter? Something, something like that. It was, it was 16. I mean... The first quarter of that game, the Magic played exactly how they're supposed to play. I mean, they, it looked like they were just going to cruise to a victory. And, you know, it, it just sometimes feels like, and, and I'd like your thoughts on this too, it, it still feels like this group is still learning how to win basketball games. Like, like yes, they're playing a lot better. They're winning games. They're in the playoff hunt. They've got, you know, they're on track for the best record since Dwight Howard left. You know, not, you know we'll see if they actually get there and if that's actually something to celebrate or not. Uh, but at the same time, you know, they've blown a lot of leads, uh, which Steve Clifford would probably tell me is irrelevant. Um, it's, it's a score at the end that matters, not the score in the third quarter. But this team just seems to, to struggle 
to get over that hump and, and to get that that last play that they need to, to close these games out sometimes. Like, it, it felt like on, on Tuesday night, if Terrence Ross would have hit that open three from the corner or Evan Fournier would have hit that three uh, or, or moved it to Isaac and he would have hit that three, that everything would have been just okay. And, and it's that last little play the Magic are missing still. Right. And you could argue also that it never should have come to that point. They sure. should have been able to to hold on to that 14-16 point lead throughout the entirety of the fourth quarter. And it, it's becoming far too often where they get to the fourth quarter, they're holding a 10, 20, 30 point lead, and it evaporates. You know, it, it just seems like the killer instinct kind of goes away. They get complacent and they feel comfortable with a 30 point lead. But it's the NBA. Any team can beat you on any given night if you let them. If you let them back into the game, they can come back and hurt you. And and going back to your point with, you know, the Magic still trying to learn how to win. You've got guys like Nikola Vucevic, uh, Aaron Gordon, Evan Fournier, uh, even Jonathan Isaac and, and Terrence Ross a little bit. They're, they're, they've been part of losing cultures for a number of years. And it's hard to break that. If For Aaron Gordon's sake especially, if all you've ever known in the NBA is a losing team, you don't know what winning feels like to the extent of the better teams in the NBA. You know, you look at like a, a team like the 76ers who have built their culture from losing to winning. Uh, but that's taken a lot of time and you've seen how much patience it takes to be able to get there. And they've been able to, to bank their, on their players, on their draft picks to be able to get to that point. And they've been able to ride uh, a coach the entirety of the way through the magic have not done that. They've changed coaches God knows how many times since Jacques Vaughn. Uh, that's when it really all started back in the day. And, you know, looking at the team now, I, I like where they, they are with Steve Clifford. I like the coaching mentality that he brings to the team. I really like his just the way he handles the bench, handles the players. And he really doesn't sugarcoat anything. And sitting in his press conferences, you really get a, a good feel for where the team is at and where he feels, you know, he'll tell you exactly what went wrong. And why it went wrong, you know. He'll he will, only tell you after he watches the tape, though. <laughs> right, right. He'll he'll have he'll always say, you know, I got to go back and watch the tape first. But his initial reactions are very raw, and then when he goes back, watches the tape, comes back at practice on Monday, then he'll let you yeah. in on and what he yeah. saw. But he'll he'll never sugarcoat it and say, oh yeah, we did our best, we tried, but it just fell apart in the end, like so many other coaches in the past have done. And it's just nice to have a refreshing take on. When the team is bad, he'll tell you they're bad. And when the team is good, he'll let you know where they're good, but also still have that realization in that moment where he says, OK, yeah, we're good, but also this is where we need to improve on. Yeah. And I think I mean, I think Clifford is is the biggest difference from this team. Obviously, he is because they really didn't change much with the roster last year. Uh, Clifford's, I think, brought a, a different mentality, a mentality where they are expected to win. Um, you know, bottom line, this team is expected to win, and, and that's ultimately what they're judged on. And, and like, like you said, none of the other stuff really matters. And, 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 you know, not saying that Frank Vogel didn't do that or, you know, James Varego or Jacques Vaughn or, or Scott Skiles. Scott Skiles certainly did that. Um, but at, at the same time, it, it, that their message just didn't sink in. What is it, you know, is it, is it simply a matter of if the Magic have put together those wins so there is that buy-in? Is it the urgency that everyone kind of feels like this front office is still waiting to make those big changes? And, and those are still probably on the way. Um, is it a mix of those contract years that, that Vucevic and, and Ross are in? Like, what, what seems to have sunk in 
uh, that that's made a team that's virtually the same as the one that won 25 games last year was uh, statistically a 28 win team if you take out all the injuries. What's the difference between these two teams? Uh, is is it just a matter of of the the message is sunk in? I kind of the the one thing that I always pull back when when this question comes up is is something that Mario Hazonia said at the uh, exit interviews at the end of last year. He talked about uh, Frank Vogel and the kind of coach that he was. And he said, we don't need someone to tell us, hey, good job, pat you on the back and move on. We need someone that will get into our ears and get into us and make sure that we're doing what he needs us to do. We need some directive. We need some someone to push us the right way, not just kind of lead us. We need some uh, we need a good push. And I think that's what Steve Clifford has given to this team is, is the right push. You know, he's been around the league. He's been around the magic organization for uh, a number of years on and off, you know, back with the Stan Van Gundy era. And he brings that kind of mentality that Van Gundy had with his team uh, mixed with his own kind of flavor to it to push these guys in the right direction. And I think a lot of the messages because of where he's come from and, and his success in Charlotte and building that team uh, has been able to sink in with some of the uh, more veteran guys like Vucevic and Aaron Gordon and uh, Evan Fournier. They're they're taking on his what he says and putting it into action. There's still a lot of work to be done, but you can definitely see all the premises there. Yeah, for for sure. So so let's talk about about at least two of the individual players that that have mattered a lot during during this run with Magic. You know, Tuesday night notwithstanding have played exceptionally well and, and have put themselves back into the playoff conversation. Uh, Nikola Vucevic, we've obviously seen him for the last six years. He really took a step up in his game this year, uh, offensively for sure, defensively, no doubt, uh, becoming an NBA All-Star and deservedly becoming an NBA All-Star that you know Zach Lowe was saying, Vucevic is an All-Star, it's not a debate. Um, no matter what Zach Harper says, I, I, I agree with that. Vucevic is certainly an All-Star. Uh, but... What's what's been the biggest key to to, to Vucevic taking this step, and, and and how vital is he to the Magic now that they're in this playoff hunt and, and as they move forward from there? I feel like Clifford's just kind of made him a bigger part of the offense than he has mm-hmm. been in past years. You know, he was he wasn't necessarily the first option uh, in years past, and and this year he feels like the first option. You know, in, in terms of of scoring. Uh, the pick and pop, he's he's more lethal from the three-point range than he was you know, previously. He's worked on that uh, uh, tremendously over the last few years just to kind of create another variable to his offensive game. Uh, he's, he's more aggressive in the post. You know, when he gets the ball down low on the block, he'll take it right to the defender no matter who it is. And his hook shot has been really well developed to this point where he's confident against going up against anybody and, and hitting that nine times out of ten. So I think that's kind of where you know where Clifford has come in and said, okay, Vooch, you're the guy, and this is how we're going to play the game. And he's averaging what twenty and ten, twenty and eleven, something. 20, like? It's it's a career high, you know, twenty point something points per game. It's near twenty one points per game. I think he's at a career high with 12, 13 rebounds per game. And, and sneakily, I think a lot of people don't, you know, they talk about this, but don't talk about it enough. I think he's only behind Anthony Davis and Marc Gasol. And maybe this has changed with Anthony Davis because he's not playing as much. Um, in assists per game by bigs, he's, he averages, uh, I think, four assists per game as well, which is just incredible for a center. Not, yeah, named, and, and, not named Wilt Chamberlain. Right. And, and I like Wilt Chamberlain. He always 
with right. So he actually up to the three point, uh, driving it from the top of the key uh, or passing it. And you see a lot of those those options where guys are cutting to the ball or cutting to the rim. Uh, he has it at kind of that top three point three point free throw area, and he's finding guys from there. You know, having being able to kind of pull the big that that is guarding Vucevic away from the basket allows for a lot of good looks for the the smaller guys who cut in that are quick past their defenders and get right into the lane. And I, I really like what Vucevic kind of brings in that respect as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, and really, I agree with you there. Clifford has really unlocked a lot of stuff that Vucevic has shown flashes of, but because the Magic were focused on developing Oladipo or getting the ball to Tobias Harris or, or bringing Aaron Gordon along a little bit more, uh, Vucevic hasn't been able to display all those. And, and it does feel like finally the Magic have kind of unleashed Vucevic and, and given him more control over the offense. And it's, it's obviously helped them a little bit. Let's, let's move on then to Jonathan Isaac. Um, obviously the rookie last year, uh, as a rookie last year, didn't play very much, only 27 games. He's still sort of in his rookie year, but over the last 12, 15 games, he's really emerged and shown why he was the sixth overall pick. What is this the Jonathan Isaac that we all expected last year, last year from, from, from him? I, I don't know if he, it's it's necessarily what we expected out of him. I feel like the Magic drafted him as a project. They knew it was going to take time. Uh, he's still 21 years old. He's still young. He's yet to play a full NBA season. I think actually at this point he has played about 82 games in his uh, professional career. Uh, we, everybody knew it was going to take time for him to adjust. And, and not only that, but he came into the league. It's insanely skinny. And you, you've seen with, with other guys that have come into the league out of their freshman year of college, they, they have to take time to put on muscle, to bulk up, to be able to handle uh, guys that are guarding him them in the NBA. And you've seen Jonathan Isaac kind of take some time. He had a bit of injury his rookie year and, and had to take time to uh, kind of sit back and, and watch instead of just getting right into it. And I think that was probably very good for his development because, you know, when, you, when you're thrown in as a rookie, sometimes – with certain players, they just don't get it right away. And it takes them to kind of sit back and, and be able to be retrospective of everything and see how the game is played from a distance, not just being able to play it to really understand the way the NBA game is played. So I think that's helped in Jonathan Isaac's development just a bit, being able to kind of not expected to be the guy or, or, you know, a, a big piece of the puzzle just yet. Uh, they know they're developing him, and uh, he he seems to be taking on that message again uh, from Steve Clifford, who, who's kind of managing their their load fairly well. Yeah, and I think and I think the Magic have, have kind of increased his responsibilities a little bit more as he's gained more confidence, and his teammates have 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 helped in that process too. I think he's kind of earned a lot of respect with the team, which which is I think just as important for a young player kind of finding his way and fitting in with with within the team concept. And we'll see what Isaac. I think this is a big summer for Isaac. We'll see how he grows from there. And, and kind of that point, I think Mobamba is going to benefit from that too. I mean, Isaac still needs to build up his body a little bit. He still gets pushed around a little bit. But Bamba is going to get the same kind of observation that, that Isaac got and the same kind of development that Isaac got, I think, that will help him grow. Um, the, the bottom line question, though, this season has now become all about making the playoffs. Um, you know, whether the season is a success or a failure, uh, I don't think we can – yeah, I think I don't think that rests solely on the playoffs. Whether the season is ultimately a success does. The question now is, do the Magic make the playoffs, and what do they have to do to make sure they get there? 
is I want to say they make the playoffs and I feel like they've put themselves in a good position for the last stretch of the season to be able to do that. Not only because of where they are in the standings, but because of the ease of their schedule from here on out. Relative ease. <laughs> yeah, it's what the second easiest schedule in the NBA. Uh, it, it, at the All-Star break, it was listed as the second easiest schedule in the NBA. Obviously, they played a few easy teams that they should have beaten but did not. So they're now, I think, fourth or fifth. But yeah, it's it's a relatively tame schedule. Right. And and so looking at that, that they put themselves in a good position to make the playoffs. Uh, even, if, even if they just make the eighth seed, I think that's still an accomplishment considering how many years of turmoil this franchise has been through. Um, but the, the really the easiest thing to make the playoffs is is play a fourth quarter that actually, you know, is just like the other three, you know, keeping the consistency throughout four quarters of play. Every coach wants to say, well, yeah, we put a good four quarters of play together, not a good three and then blew it at the end. You know, you want to see a good, uh, you know, a good full game out of your team. And I think that's just what they're missing right now. If they can start putting together good quality wins uh, that are 10, 15 points against bad opponents, then you're, you're right there in the playoffs. You know, you just need, you just need to win the games you're supposed to win and have fourth quarters that don't look like last night. Yeah, for sure. A 48 minute effort has been the big thing that's eluded this team all year. I think that's what it's going to take to, to win because um, you know, I, I think we've all kind of sensed this team does struggle a little bit under pressure, um, whether it's late game pressure or, or anything else. The last 20 games of this season, the pressure, I'm going to continue to say this because, uh, you know, you kind of forget what playoff pressure feels like as a fan, uh, almost. Mm. That pressure is only going to increase with every passing game, with every passing moment. And uh, they've got to they've be able to push through that and execute. And, and they certainly didn't do that the other night in New York. They certainly did, you know, they did that to some extent against Chicago. I thought their fourth quarter was really good against Chicago, but it's going to take full 48-minute efforts to beat every team on the schedule. I don't care if it's Golden State on Thursday or Cleveland on Sunday, and I'm not forgetting Indiana on Saturday either. It doesn't matter who it is. They've got to find a way to win these games, and, and they should be able to. They should, they, they've shown they have the ability to, and if they can do that, the playoffs are there for them to reach. So we'll see if they can get there. Absolutely. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up-to-date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. But the real reason I wanted to have you on to talk, we do this every year, it feels like, uh, is because as the magic season begins to wind down, and maybe it'll go a little bit longer than we anticipated, but as the magic season begins to wind down, it means it's time for another season to begin, and that is Orlando City returning to the pitch this Saturday to take on the hated rivals from NYCFC for their MLS season opener. Like the Magic, this is a team that's faced a lot of turmoil, faced a lot of upheaval, been all over the place, and has struggled to kind of find its footing in, in the league, and they're, they're, they're desperate to make the playoffs, it seems. Uh, I remember you came on here last year and said, if Orlando City doesn't make the playoffs, heads will roll. New coach midseason, new, new general manager as well. Um, let's start there. 
what happened last year? That's that's a great question. <laughs> <laughs> the I, simplest I, questions are often the best. Right. And it's it's still it still kind of confounds a lot of people about what happened last year because of the way they started. Uh, I think it, it sends a bit of a message that it gets a bit skewed, right? Yeah, they won their first six out of their first eight and they were top of the table. They were winning games against good opponents and then it fell apart. And it, you kind, right, you could kind of see signs of that happening though. If you watched the games that they won, they weren't, convincing wins they were scrappy wins that they they pulled out of their butts basically and everybody i felt like kind of rode the the high a bit too high and you you kind of have to have a measured take especially early in the season because with mls things can change with the snap of a finger you you go back a few years and you look at seattle right they were right in the middle of of bottoming out of the entire uh, MLS table. They were, what, eighth, I think, out of 10 teams in the West uh, at one point during the season. And then they fired their coach. They bring in uh, Brian Schmetzer, who was their assistant for a long time. And all of a sudden, they make an an incredible run at the end of the season. Uh, They make the playoffs, and they eventually win MLS Cup. And, you know, they started their season so poorly that they had to fire their coach. And you look at Orlando City, who started great and then bottomed out, they fired their coach on the, uh, what, the round of mid-table, around June or July. Yeah, it's the middle of the season. Yeah. And um, the way, the, I think the difference between those two situations was the the confidence and the, the way the team was built. I feel like Jason Christ in his tenure, really never, it, it really never clicked with every everyone on the team. I think that, the way the team was built was to his benefit, but it just never benefited him. If that makes any sense. It was never like he, he, he picked the players that, that he wanted to run a system, but they never bought into the system that he was running. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Cause, cause things got like, like really bad. Like it was, uh, I mean, they were, they were, they were sitting on pretty on what was a five or six match match win streak. And then the bottom just fell out. They won, what, two games the rest of the season? I mean, it was just unbelievable how they, they just couldn't even, I mean, couldn't even take leads in games. It wasn't that they were blowing, they were losing leads late in games. It was five minutes in, oh, Orlando City's down a goal, a goal already. Yeah, and, and that, was, that was the thing. Early goals conceding was a theme last year. Uh, they would concede more times than they would score first. And that was uh, one big part of the issue because once you concede, uh, you're automatically having to battle back into a game. You're chasing. Right. And your your first six games happened exactly like that, except for the San Jose game where Chris Mueller scored like a minute into the game. That was the only outlier. Every other game they conceded first, had to battle back and showed that gritty mentality. But the issue is it was not sustainable and when they kept trying to do it and it wasn't working, there was no other like backup plan. It was just like, keep doing what we did those first six games. You know, we showed that we could win. We just got to find that way again. The issue is that way that they were winning was not sustainable and it showed. And that is why Jason Christ is no longer here in Orlando is because his method of winning was not sustainable, at least here in Orlando. It worked in, in Real Salt Lake back in the uh, mid 2000s. 
when he was going to MLS Cup. But I, I feel like MLS has changed so vastly over the f- last few years that um, he didn't really adapt enough to the change to be able to be successful. I, I had never heard that analysis and the parallels between the 2018 Magic and 2018 Orlando City seemed to only grow from there because that, that was, a, <laughs> I think, that was a fair criticism of, of Frank Vogel at times as, as he tried to tried to update and, and evolve his team. Uh, you know, it, I think I think another part of the story, again, similar to the Magic. Uh, where, where injuries were such a big part of the story. It felt like, the, I mean, uh, Sasha Kleschen, I know, didn't have the season that he wanted. He's, you know, an MLS all-timer uh, and and still playing at a very high level, but he was a non-factor because of injuries. Uh, Jonathan, uh, Jonathan Spector, I think, uh, was out for a good chunk of the season, and, and he was such a vital part of, of the defense, and the defense really fell apart uh, throughout throughout the year as well. Uh there were there were a lot of injuries that this that that team faced. What what impact did those have on Orlando City being able to write the being unable to write the ship? Well, it's, it it wasn't even just a, a last season thing. It's been a constant theme since they joined MLS, and I there's really no one good like thing to point out saying yeah that's the reason they're getting all these injuries because it's they they've changed entire training staffs. They've changed coaches. Uh, for the way that they uh, work out and they train indoors and out, uh, the workload that they do, the uh, the methods that they imply, it, everything's changed, yet it still stays the same with all of the injuries that they seem to get. It's always soft tissue injuries with hamstrings or... Uh, is, is it the Florida heat maybe? Like, I mean, well, that, that, and that, that, the, that has to be a real thing. Right, and that's the only thing. Like, you see with a lot of guys that are not used to the way Florida heats up in the summer they don't hydrate themselves as probably they should because they're not used to it they, they're used to being in the summer and in maybe cooler climates and saying okay yeah if i feel thirsty i get some water but in florida even if you're not thirsty you still need to drink water and stay as hydrated as possible uh, and if you're especially if you're training hard and you're going at the pace that a lot of soccer teams do these days if you're not hydrated enough, it's so easy to just pick up a muscle injury that'll set you back two, three, four weeks. And you saw with a lot of hamstring injuries for Orlando City, there are guys that missed two months of the season because of a little uh, hamstring strain, and they just could not get back to it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's that's certainly a factor. And, and, and Florida teams have struggled in MLS before. Um, it, it's obviously a different animal. Uh, you know, I, I'm sure some of these guys have played in tropical climates, but the typical international soccer season is not in the summer. And, and so I think there is definitely a factor there that, that, that you have to consider. But The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up-to-date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, obviously, a, a season like that necessitates change. You know, they're, they're changing coaching, changing management. Uh, Orlando City made a lot of changes to, to this roster. Uh, you know, getting rid of, you know, get letting go of a lot of guys uh, who were uh, part of the team for, for a long time, were a big part of the team last year. Uh, bringing in some 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 good names, a big one obviously coming later in the later in the off season with with Nani, but and we'll talk about him in a moment. But uh, the guys that were left, 
what has to change with them uh, in order to, to, to help turn things around for this team? You know, you talked about the similarities between the Orlando Magic and Orlando City, and they still keep strikingly, they're still strikingly uh, similar. And with this Orlando City team, it's all about buying into what the coach is preaching. It's all about what James O'Connor is trying to get this team to do on the field. It's all about them believing in the coach and believing in the system and believing in each other to then go out and uh, to play the game. So th- it's just as simple as that. You know, the, the guys that wanted to be here, they're still here. The guys that wanted to show that last season was an outlier, those are the guys that are still here. The ones that uh, didn't cut it or that were the problems in the locker room or off the field or, or just didn't want to be here, they're the ones that are gone. And James O'Connor made sure that that was something that was immediately taken care of at the beginning of the season. At, he looked at some of the guys that he felt were, quote-unquote, cancerous to the team mentality, and uh, he cut those cancers away from the team. And so now you're left with guys that want to be there, and if they don't want to be there, then uh, James O'Connor won't play them. If, he, if they want to play, they have to show that they want to play and they want to be out on the field. Otherwise, there's no reason for them to be there. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so, 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 you know, this, this is a magic podcast, this is a basketball podcast. You know, not everyone may be a soccer fan. Not everyone may be in Orlando to watch Orlando City games, but I, I, I like pumping up Orlando sports. Um, but for those that, that, you know, are getting into the team or being introduced to the team now, who, I mean, who are the players to watch on this team? Who, who's going to be the most important to the team taking that next step that they need to take? Arguably, I think the newest signing in Nani is going to be the uh, the premier player. You can com- you can compare him the the closest to what Kaká was back in 2015. He is an aging European star who has played on the biggest stages of Europe and in the world. He's played in the World Cup for Portugal. He's played for Manchester United. He's played for Sporting in Portugal. He's played in Italy and he's played in Spain as well. Uh, he, he's got Steve Clifford's endorsement, too. He is, does he now? Steve, uh, Steve Clifford is a big Manchester United fan. I was actually at practice the day after the Nani signing was announced. I knew that Cliff, Cliff is, a, is a big United fan, so I asked him what he thought about the signing. And, and he said, you know, he said, and, and this is a, pretty much a direct quote, when Nani has the ball, look out. <laughs> uh, he's, he's very, very excited. He told Vooch that he's gonna, he was going to go to games anyway, but now he's really excited to go to games. Um, you know, Nani, I think, was at the Magic game last Friday against the Bulls. You know, they, there was a jersey exchange between him and Vooch, I, I think, or, or they at least took a photo together. Um, Vooch is a big Orlando City fan, too, from, from all I gather as well, although bigger, bigger, obviously, Milan fan. Mm. Uh, or Juventus fan, sorry. Sorry, Vooch, I, I don't mean to get that wrong. <laughs> uh, I know I know, I, I, would get, I would get strung up for, 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 for getting that, that so wrong. Um, but, uh, I mean, this is a big international signing. I mean, yeah, Nani is not Nani from five years ago, you're not getting that Nani in, in MLS, but this is a big signing. He's a guy who can still contribute a lot. Exactly right. And and his game has always been predicated on uh, setting up other players. And the, the other player that I was going to uh, talk about, uh, he's going to benefit the most from the Nani signing, which is Dom Dwyer. Dwyer was signed as a designated player uh, from Sporting Kansas City. Uh, for those that know Orlando soccer history, he basically came into Orlando City on loan back when they were in the minor leagues in USL Pro and uh, set the league by storm. He scored 15 goals in 13 games, breaking the uh, all-time record set by Dennis Chin back in the day. 
uh, also an Orlando City player and Rollins College grad. Shout out to him. Uh, go Tars. Yeah, go Tars. And so Dwyer set the, the league on fire, went back to Sporting Kansas City where he was loaned from and continued his torrid pace of basically destroying the league. Um, you know, I think 2014 was his best year. He scored 20-something goals. Uh, hasn't quite found that same form, but he's still young. He's still you know mid to late 20s. Uh, maybe on the downside of his career, but if he can play anything like he did even two years ago, he can be a huge factor for this Orlando City team. He was the leading scorer for them last year with 13 goals. Now you've added some more offensive firepower around him with Nani. Uh, add in a question player that wants to basically forget last year and make amends for last year, and you could have a very good front three for Orlando City. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and I really thought one of the bigger issues that Orlando City has really had since joining MLS is they've had decent attackers and decent scorers, whether it was Kyle Lahren for the first few years or Dom Dwyer. They, they really struggled distributing the ball from the midfield to the attacking third. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, Kaká, when he was out there, it, it always sometimes felt like Kaká was making plays that everyone else couldn't see. He was just too good for, for some of the players. And, and that, you know, MLS, I think, is slowly catching up to, to those kinds of players. But at the same time, there was just this disconnect between the midfield and the attacking third. And now you, you have a guy like Nani, you have a guy like Sasha Kleshen, you have two guys who should be able to distribute the ball to a guy like Dom Dwyer. And, then, and Dwyer will also have a guy like Chris Mueller, who had a fantastic rookie year, tailed off toward the end of the season. But, you know, looks like he could be a really interesting player. Um, he'll have him next to him to help with that scoring load, to help hold up the ball or hold the ball up for as well. Uh, and, and I think that will make for a more dynamic attack for, for Orlando City. Is, is that a fair assessment? Yeah, I would say that's definitely a fair assessment. Um, with Chris, the thing I will say is that he played primarily on the wing last year. Sure. Uh, he did play a lot of striker in college, which is something that he's familiar with. But in the MLS game, it's a little bit of an adjustment. I think he's in preseason from what I've seen. It's it's not that much of an adjustment for him, but uh, he has been kind of trailing out wide. A little bit maybe in a 3-4-3 a three, three formation where he's he's kind of more out right and he's able to cross the ball into the middle. Um, but he's had a good partnership with uh, former FC Dallas striker Tesho Akindele, who was also acquired at the beginning of the year. He was a former rookie of the year back uh, about five years ago now. And um, you know he, he was good in his day but has struggled with FC Dallas over the years past just to find his form and find some consistency. So he's hoping that change of scenery will be able to do that. And that's not even mentioning up front when it comes to uh, the younger players for Orlando City. They've signed uh, two academy players, Santiago Patino and Benji Michelle. Patino was a bit of a a weird situation where uh, he wasn't allowed to sign because he only spent eight months in the Orlando City Academy. And you have to, by rule of MLS, spend at least a year in the academy to be up for a homegrown contract, which is the guys that are in your academies uh, to be able to sign for a, a different price than uh, what Patino ended up doing, which was going into the draft and being drafted third overall, which uh, a lot of people said was a bit too high for a guy like Patino. But but they wanted him. It, it was a press. It was setting a precedent. It was Luis Muzi, the new EVP, the uh, uh, vice president of soccer operations and James O'Connor. They were setting a precedent by saying, uh, we want our young players to come back to us. We don't want them going somewhere else. We want them here. So they didn't want Patino being drafted by another team and going on and being successful somewhere else. They wanted him in Orlando. And 
from his build and his athleticism, he's he's a very like for like comparison to Dom Dwyer and what he was able to do. Uh, he's got that physical build and uh, that quick feet to be able to uh, to turn and fire uh, with his back to goal. And then Benji Michel is more of a finesse player with speed and agility. And uh, you could probably see him running down the wing. And, and he, he had a good, uh, during the preseason game against the New England Revolution, he had a good run into the box. He was brought down and a penalty was called. But uh, that's just a, a little glimpse on on what he was uh, able to do. You know, it's still going to take some time for, for those two guys, especially to be able to kind of figure out MLS. But I think Patino more than Michelle is probably more built for the physicality of the league. Sure. And then you have a guy, I mean, the guy that we haven't talked about, one of the other designated players that Orlando city has. And I'll say this as an aside, if you think the NBA collective bargaining agreement rules are complex, (laughs) figure out, figure out MLS collective bargaining rules or figure out the MLS salary cap rules. Good luck. Um, Good luck. Another another designated player that Orlando City has that that had a disappointing year last year, but he's a young guy, so I think they they kind of knew it was a development developmental deal. Uh, was Jose Colma. Colma. Mm. Uh, if I mispronounce that, I apologize. Yeah, um, Josue. Josue. I see. I I, I say Josue. I'm like that can't that that can't be right. Uh, <laughs> Josue Coleman. Uh, he's a really promising young player. Uh, didn't get a chance to play a lot. Seems like he could be in for. A good year, and obviously Orlando City's invested a lot in him. What what are the expectations for him this season? I feel the expectations are, are are similar to last year, right? They don't want to put too much on his shoulders because of how young and how uh, up and coming he is. They want to be able to develop him in his own pace, right? They don't want to put too much on him. They don't want to put too little on him uh, in terms of just the load on the team. Uh, a lot of last year he played hampered by just different injuries, being able to kind of acclimatize himself to the team, to the league and to the actual climate itself. So he was kind of playing a bit hampered last year. The hope is that now that he's had a full preseason with the team, uh, well, he actually missed about a week and a half, but he's had more of a preseason than he did last year with the team because he was a later signing that he will be able to benefit from that. Uh, he's been around the league now for a year. He's got a better understanding of it, better understanding of, of what he's able to do within the league. And I think that will only that can only help him to this point. And from the glimpses I saw in preseason, he looks a lot more confident on the ball um, than he did last year. There's still some some things that he needs to work on, just dribbling through traffic and, and getting caught up by three different people and not picking his head up in certain instances where he needs to pass instead of trying to dribble. But that's something that you can easily work through. Um, but the more that he plays, the better he can be. Yeah, and 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 I, and I think you see that there, there there's a wide array of attacking options. I mean, Orlando City they've been a team that struggled to score goals. That sh- that you will hopefully be a thing of the past with this group. But the big question after last season, I think Orlando City gave up the the most goals in the league, certainly in the Eastern Conference. Um, they they were one of the worst defenses in the league last year, and uh, there's been a lot of change to the team's defense. Uh, you know, I don't think it's particularly clear who the starting goalkeeper is going to be after they after they moved on from from uh, pretty much all three of their keepers from last year, uh, or at least two of their t- top three keepers. Uh, I know Earl Edwards is gone. Mm-hmm. Um, it, 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 this is a big question mark for Orlando City. What what should we expect from the team's defense, and and, and will that make any improvement? Well, starting with the goalkeeper situation, they've brought in. Uh, essentially two new goalkeepers. They had uh, Adam Grinwist from last year 
who played a few games in MLS and showed glimpses of of his capability. Uh, but James O'Connor has now brought in one of his former Louisville City goalkeepers, Greg Ranjitsing, uh, who's a national team player for Trinidad and Tobago. And he, I would say, has the favor of James O'Connor more so than their most recent signing, which is goalkeeper Brian Rowe, former L.A. Galaxy and Vancouver Whitecaps keeper, veteran keeper who's 30 years old. He's been in the league for a number of years. Uh, but I think Ranjitsing has the favor of James O'Connor, mainly because he's been in O'Connor's system for longer. And he kind of understands the way that James wants a goalkeeper to play and the way he wants to distribute, the way he wants to uh, kind of just manage the game from the back line as well. And so I think Brian Rowe has been signed as, um, for those familiar, in the 2017 season, Josh Saunders, who was a 37-year-old keeper. He was signed as the veteran presence to back up Joe Bendick and to mentor the other young guys that were coming along with Earl and uh, Mason Stadahar, who's still only 21 years old. And so I, th- I feel like Roe is kind of that veteran presence who can be called upon to play if necessary. But I feel in my gut that Ranjitsing is going to be the guy. I could be completely wrong. And, uh, you know, I, I could be saying things that don't come true. But that's just my feeling, mainly because I think a lot of people think Roe's going to be the starter because he started a lot of the preseason games. But he was a trialist at that point. He hadn't signed. So Orlando City needed to see what he still had in his tank to be able to say, okay, yeah, we could use a player like him rather than trotting out a guy like Ranjitsing who they know what they'll get from him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so so I mean, that, obviously that's a big question. What about the the defense? How how is that going to shape up for the team? Because it, it it feels like you know whether Orlando City is ultimately going to have have success or not is, is whether the defense certainly the. the doesn't feel like they can play worse than they did last year. Um, but but how that shapes up and whether that becomes something the team can rely on because there, there are going to be games where you have to get where you have to be able to get stops and you're going to be under a lot of pressure. Right, and, and that was the biggest thing, right? They let up the most goals in MLS history last year. That's not a record that you want to continue on uh, or even break the year after. And so Orlando City's last year with Jason Christ, they played a lot of a four back formation, which is two center backs and two full backs. This year, it's going to be more of a either three back or five back. So three center backs and two wing backs, essentially. Uh, those wing backs will get forward a lot and have uh, the option to, to you know go forward as much as possible, but they need to be able to get back. But you have an extra central defender there to be able to kind of make up for that lost uh, fullback on the either side. And they brought in players like uh, Danilo Acosta, a 21-year-old fullback who is out of Real Salt Lake, kind of fell out of favor with them last year, uh, was playing good up until that point, but uh, didn't play a lot towards the end of the season. He's been loaned to Orlando with the option to buy, so he has another opportunity to prove himself. He was a U-20 starter for the national team, so he's definitely a very good prospect in that, in that respect. Uh, Carlos Asquez, who was brought in midseason, it was the first transfer that James O'Connor made. Uh, He was good and kind of hampered by injury towards the end of the season, but he's definitely a player to watch out for. He's a good physical defender who can also switch into the midfield, has good feet, good vision, and uh, is generally an overall good just defensive midfielder slash center back. They brought in a kid from, uh, basically he's American, but he's been playing the last six years overseas, Alex Dijon uh, or Dijon. It's not Dijon. Uh, it's 
spelled D-E-J-O-H-N. A lot of people want to say uh, like Dijon Mustard, but it's Dejon or Dejon. Anyways, he is from New Jersey, uh, 27-year-old center back. He's played a lot overseas and has a bit of experience to bring into Orlando City. Uh, he's played a lot of uh, the early preseason games for Orlando and uh, looked pretty good. But again, that's preseason. Uh, you've brought in a guy like Jao Moutinho, who was the number one overall draft pick last year in the 2018 MLS Super Draft for LAFC. Uh, he is a tweener between a fullback and a center back. He's six feet tall, uh, kind of a skinny guy at 156 in terms of weight, but he's only 21 years old. Again, another promising defender in that respect. They have brought in a kid uh, by the name of Ruan or Huan. H-U-A-N is the pronunciation R-U-A-N is the spelling, and uh, he's a Brazilian international who's come from Rio. Um, he's fast. That's that's basically the way I describe him. He's just insanely fast. And then another Louisville City player in Kyle Smith. Uh, he was funny story about him. He was actually uh, going to be an accountant before uh, getting a trial with Louisville City and uh, ended up becoming a professional soccer player. So at 27 years old, he is now making his foray into the MLS world instead of sitting behind a desk being an accountant. Uh, so he's the last kind of new piece in terms of the center back, fullbacks, and the defensive end. Yeah, so a lot of new faces. It feels like it's it's a lot of youth, and so it'll be interesting to see how, how that develops. Um, hopefully they all have incredible length. Um, I, I, <laughs> I think that's important. Um, I'm not sure. Uh, but we'll, but it, it'll definitely be interesting. Um, so with all these changes, new coach, he's been there for, for a little while. It's not like he's completely new. Uh, all these changes, all, you know, MLS is a league where it, you can go from the worst team in the league to the best team or to a playoff team for sure, or even the best team in the league fairly quickly. It, it, it is a very compact league. It is not uh, so strike. It's not so striated there. There is a lot of parity in the league. Uh, what are the expectations for Orlando City this year? It, it feels like they have to make the playoffs soon, or you know they'll. I mean, as as much as Orlando fans and and there are diehard Orlando City supporters, they will always man the wall. They will always be there. But it feels like they're hitting that point that that the Magic have been at for a while, where fans kind of come and go. They're not completely engaged with the team. Is what are the expectations for Orlando City this year, and, and what do they need to accomplish this year as a, as a group? I think a lot of fans want them to make the playoffs. And who who doesn't want to make the playoffs? But if this team is going to succeed in the future, they need to be able to be patient. They don't need to rush the playoffs, right? Every year to this point. Also sounds familiar. Yeah, very familiar. <laughs> it's It's so weird how that keeps coming up. But the reason that they've been kind of so striated and, and – broken i guess every single year is that every time they don't make the playoffs they make big changes to the rosters to the coaching staffs to everything because they didn't make the playoffs and then the next year is like playoffs are bust playoffs are bust and then it just doesn't work and for four years to this point no matter how much they change they keep getting worse 2015 is still their best season in mls and that was their first year They've gotten historically bad. And they made a crazy run at the end of the season to, to, to get within, what, two points of the playoffs? Correct. They fell out just short of the uh, sixth seed in 2015. But again, that still remains their best season. And after By that, far. Right. After that season, they made so many sweeping changes. Even though they were so close, they brought in a new GM who then quit 
a month later. They brought in a, a number of new players. Then J- uh, Adrian Heath got fired midseason, even though they were still within a good, healthy margin of the playoffs. And then everything reset again with Jason Christ. Then James, you know, Jason Christ gets fired begin uh, middle of last year, and everything resets again. So I think the key for them is just being patient. No matter what happens this season, you stick with James O'Connor. You stick with Luis Muzi. You've, you've made your bed. you now got to lay in it. You can't just you know, take off the sheets and make it again. That that gets tiring after a while. You got to be able to be patient and again, that 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 sounds familiar. Uh, so familiar. It's I mean, the Amway Center and Orlando City Stadium are only a block away from each other. For God's sakes. Yeah, <laughs> I I know the Magic have a box at, at Orlando City Stadium. So <laughs> and vice versa, vice versa, and vice versa. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it, again, it's just being patient with with James O'Connor and letting him and Luis Muzi run this team. Don't let the front office get too involved in the politics or in the strategy of the team. Just allow them to do the jobs that they hired them for and uh, give it at least two years, I would say. You know, the, 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 the original plan for for Adrian Heath was give him three years and, and they cut him a, a year and a half short. And now Minnesota United is currently on their third year of uh, Adrian Heath. And all of a sudden they've got a very capable MLS roster. You know, they brought in all-stars from different teams. They brought in Ozzy Alonso, who was the best player for Seattle over a number of years. They brought in Ike Opara, who was th- one of the best center backs in MLS over the last three years, right? And, and it's just taken time for this vision to develop. And that's not even mentioning old Orlando City player Kevin Molino, who tore his ACL last year. He's coming back. You got a guy like Ethan Finley, who was an all-star for the last two years before moving to Minnesota and tearing his ACL. Uh, He's coming back. So Minnesota on their third year seems to be looking in pretty good shape. But meanwhile, in Orlando City in their fourth year, well, they're they're right back where they started again. Yeah, um, that that I think that's that's fair to say. And I think the lesson, whether you're a Magic fan, whether you're an Orlando City fan is you need a front office working together. I mean, and I I feel like with Orlando City it sometimes felt like there were a lot of different parties pulling against each other mm-hmm. uh, and pulling each other in different different directions. And, and again, like like the Magic, you know, a few years ago, wanting to push the process faster than it goes naturally. And, and you know, signing a guy like Nani, I, I think, is a clear sign that, that they believe they can make the playoffs. And, and, you know, in MLS, that's not impossible to do even as you're growing and developing because the draft isn't always the main avenue to improve your roster. So... You know, Orlando City making the playoffs is a good thing. It's a good goal. But I, like you said, it isn't the make or break goal. It isn't, you know, if you don't make the playoffs, you're fired type of deal. And, and it, does, it did feel like that that was the mode Orlando City was in as they tried to take advantage of what they had here with a, with a fan base that, that loves this team, that loves going to games uh, and a new stadium too, but also just kind of, not understanding the process of winning and, and, and building a winning culture and building a winning team. It, it really goes to everything. It, it goes to how the front office is run. It, it goes to how ownership interacts. It, it, it goes to everything. You can't, it's not just what's on the, on the pitch. It starts everywhere in, in building a winning organization. And, and so that's, that's obviously a big, a big part of, of the puzzle here for, for Orlando city. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Austin, uh, a lot of great information here on Orlando City. Of course, uh, opening kickoff of the MLS season is this weekend, Saturday. Orlando City taking on NYCFC. That is a 2.30 kickoff on Saturday? It is indeed. It's going to be on Univision. On Univision. 
Uh, yes, a, a two thirty kickoff at Orlando City Stadium. It, it's going to be a raucous time at at the at the at the Purple Palace. Um, you know, man the wall, be 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 there, be loud as always. Um, because th- now we have two we have two te- two teams playing meaningful games. It's it's a lot of fun. Um, as, as Orlando City gets their season going, and obviously, like we said, expectations are tempered, but but I think the team still probably feels like it can make a run. Uh, and of course, the Orlando Magic, well within the playoff race. And, and and I've said this a million times. I know there's some Orlando City fans who aren't particularly fond of the Magic for whatever reason, for a variety of reasons, and for whatever reasons. But I think both teams and both franchises are made stronger when both are playing well because. They both represent the city. Everyone feels good about the city when, when the teams are doing well, whether that's fair or not, uh, is, is another debate for another day. <laughs> but um, I think that it helps both that when they're playing well, so we want to see them do well too. Uh, Austin, if everyone's interested in Orlando City and, and reading your work, tell them where they can find you. You can find me on Twitter at AustinDavid22. Uh, all my written contents over at the Orlando Soccer Journal, which is uh, orlsoccerjournal.com. Uh, the podcast that we do is the Orlando Soccer Show, which is uh, ORL Soccer Show on Twitter. And then the Community Sports Report, where we cover every sport in the Orlando area, where it's high school, college, and pro, even semi-pro. Uh, that's on Thursdays on WPRK 91.5 FM, uh, every Thursday from 4 to 5 p.m. Awesome. Lots of places to find Austin. He obviously talks about a lot of sports in the area and does, does great Orlando City coverage. He's my go-to guy for Orlando City discussion and to figure out what's going on with the Lions because uh, he knows a lot more about soccer than I do. I like to think I know a little bit about soccer, but obviously uh, not a whole lot. I'm, I'm a basketball guy first and foremost. But Austin, I want to thank you for coming on the show today, giving us the lowdown on Orlando City, giving us some, some of your thoughts on the Orlando Magic. I'll do my spiel now. You can, of course, follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Magic and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and all the fun places to download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. You can follow me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. And, of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. Follow us on Twitter there at omagicdaily. We'll be back again tomorrow with a look at the Magic's game against the Golden State Warriors. We'll also, uh, on Orlando Magic Daily, have a look at the third quarter MVP of the season. We'll begin asking our questions for the fourth quarter of the season as well. But until then, for Orlando Magic Daily and Locked On Magic, this has been Philip Rossman-Reich. I'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.